Well, I'm glad that you see you're here this morning because there are a lot of folks who are sick. I got uh, three messages this morning of people who said would want to be there, but it's just not possible. Um, and then there are those who are not here because they got small kids and they don't want them to get sick. And I don't blame them. Um, I've been through it. It's no fun. So we want to be praying. Um, I've got a friend who's in the ministry and we think about the flu, we think about this kind of sickness, and we don't give it a, a lot of thought. We know it's a, an irritation, we know it's a problem, but we really don't think how, how bad, bad it is. Um, I have a friend in ministry whose daughter in their 40s succumbed to the flu, and actually um, it killed her. And so as we're thinking about this, it, it isn't anything to play with, and as you see people who are posting on Facebook or sharing that they're not doing well, uh, when you pray, take it seriously because it can be a really, really serious thing. And, and when you hear about people that you don't know who've had deaths in the family because of the flu, it doesn't hit you as much. But when it's someone you know, um, it hits a lot closer to home. This morning as we come to the Lord's table, I want to, I want to talk about living a higher life, a high, living at a higher level. And when we think about that, oftentimes our thoughts go to money and accumulation of things. You know, if I've got a, if, if I have a, a pretty good paycheck coming in, then, then I'm living at a higher level. Or, you know, if I, if, if I get a raise, I'm, I'm, I'm living at a higher level. If I'm able to afford that house at I've always wanted, then that, that takes me up to a higher level. If I'm able now to, to go and to buy a car that I'd like to drive instead of a car that I have to drive, then I'm living at a higher level. If I can take that vacation at least once a year and get away with the family and go to the beach or go to the mountains or even, even go out of the country, then I'm living at a, a higher level. And, and I think that concept probably comes from living in a capitalist society where the achievement, the accumulation of things is, is something that many of us seek after. And, and we almost feel like if I could get those things, that my life would be better. If I could get those things, I'd finally be satisfied, finally be content, that I'd have what I really, truly want and need. Some people, it's always on the horizon for them. They're thinking, you know, if, if my lottery ticket just hits this time, and it's kind of funny because it's all, they don't ask, hey, pastor, would you pray that I win the lottery? But they, they do, I think they're hinting around when they say, you know, pastor, maybe I shouldn't play the lottery, but I, I bought a ticket. And if I win, you're going to get a nice tide check out of that. So I think what they're hoping is, if I can put this in his mind, maybe he'll start praying that I win the lottery. So. And if you do win, we will accept the tithe, <laughs> just so you'll know. But when we talk about living in a higher level, it has, this morning at least, it, it's got more to do with what kind of paycheck you have coming in or what kind of retirement savings you have or where, what kind of house that you live in or where that house might be or the, the kind of car that you drive or any of those other things that we often think about as, as living at a higher level. Because I believe that God's word calls us to live at a higher level. But what it's saying is a little bit different than maybe the common perception 
of what living at a higher level is all about. For us, living at a higher level means that we're growing in our faith and we're growing in our intimacy with God. There is no other higher level for us where we could live than to live in the abiding presence of God. I mean, where do you go from there? I mean, that, that's beyond the penthouse. When we are abiding in the presence of God, not just on Sunday morning when we come here, uh, but when we are abiding in that presence during the week. It means that, that we're closer to Jesus today than we were yesterday. And that our, we anticipate being closer to him tomorrow than even we are today. It means that we've discovered that there is greater contentment and greater satisfaction in knowing God, truly knowing God and being known by him, that there's greater contentment and greater satisfaction in that than there is in accumulating all the things that the world says will allow us to live a higher life. And so this morning, before we read the scripture, I just want to share with you an insight that, that I've gained through a few years of living, and I'm uh, older than some of you and younger than some of you, but I hope that all of us are gaining wisdom a little bit as we live, and, and it's this. If we're, able, if we're able to live, if we, excuse me, if we are to live, and this, if there's some underlining uh, that you can get if you want to fill this out, if we're to live our lives at a higher level, if we're truly to live our lives at a higher level, it cannot happen if all we know is low-level worship. Now, I want you to think about with this with me this morning. If we want to live our lives at a higher level, truly a higher level in our relationship with, with the Lord and following Jesus Christ, if we want to live at a level beyond where we are right now, it cannot happen if what we experience in our lives is low-level worship. Now, your question may be, what in the world is low-level worship? And so let me answer that for you. And, and this is just a, a small piece of it. But low-level worship is attendance without all. Think about it. You can actually come in, you can go through the service, you can sing the songs, you can hear the words, you can participate in the Lord's Supper, but never experience the presence of God in such a way that it brings a deep awe to your heart. We never can say with Jacob that the Lord was in this place. The Lord was in this place, and it changes forever. Low-level worship is singing with our mouths, but never singing with our hearts. And there's a big difference. Um, I'm not really sure what to make of this, but I encountered an article this morning now, some of you will have no idea who I'm talking about, but evidently Snoop Dogg <laughs> is coming out with a gospel album. This is blowing my mind just a little bit. Now, if you don't know who Snoop Dogg is, check with the Google. <laughs> the Google can tell you, but it is a little bit anticipated, unanticipated that Snoop Dogg could come out with a gospel album, but... 
Perhaps there's something here that I'm missing. But you and I, we can sing the songs, right? And they, we can sing them, even if you've got a wonderful voice and you can, you can actually carry a tune, you can sing the songs. But if they're not coming from the heart, they're just coming from, you know, producing the sound through your diaphragm and out your voice. What does it mean? Low-level worship is when we hear with our ears what God is saying, but it never penetrates to the point of transforming us. There's never any change that happens because we've heard the word. And, And last week I even mentioned James telling us not to be hearers only. We're also to do what the word says. In other words, when we encounter the living word of God, it is to transform and change us from the inside. Low-level worship is when we give our offerings, but we refuse to give our lives. And this morning, it was just shared with me, uh, Matu shared with me uh, an update on uh, some things that are happening in other countries and in India because uh, she knows I'm planning to go there, and she knows that we as a church are praying there. And of course, her heart is there just because uh, she's from there. (laughs) But there have been, what, 20 churches 20 churches that were just burned down and that the the radicals within um and again there's a radical government there but they're basically what how they operate is they just kind of turn a blind eye and let the the mobs do what they want to do and there's the intent of killing 200 missionaries in india i expect that when i go that i will discover a level of Christian faith and commitment that I've never known. Simply because it's easy here. And it's easy to give our offerings, but never give our lives, never fully say, okay, here I am. You know, this flu thing is pretty contagious, but so should our faith be. Oh, that what would happen would be an epidemic of Jesus that would begin in our community and spread like wildfire. Low-level worship is when we go somewhere on Sunday morning, but we don't meet the someone who came to meet us. We never have an encounter with the Almighty. In other words, if I could summarize it and sum it up, Low-level worship is when I come to have my needs met rather than coming to exalt the Almighty God and to encourage my brothers and sisters in Christ. In other words, I'm not simply here for me. If you have low-level worship, if this for you is, 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 is routine, it's mundane it's not transformative there's no power you never encounter god you never give yourself fully to him there's no transformation then you're going to have a low level worship and where that leads is to low level living and you'll always be looking for other things in life that can come and fill the void fill the gap make you satisfied and all those things of course are temporary a few weeks back We've been in Colossians. We'll continue that. Um, We'll pick up again next week. We're going to look 
at a couple of verses that we actually looked at earlier, but I think we need to be reminded of these. And so Colossians chapter three, we're going to look at verses one through four. If you've got your Bibles, you can turn there. We're going to put it up on the screen. It's also in your handout. Colossians chapter three, verses one through four. And what we read is, is this. Here's what God is telling us this morning. If then you have been raised with Christ, that means you, you have died to self, you, you live for Christ, you've made this commitment, faith commitment to follow Christ. If you've been raised with Christ, seek the things that are above. Where Christ is seated at the right hand of God, And set your minds on things that are above, not on things that are on earth. For you've died, and your life is hidden with Christ in God. When Christ, who is your life, appears, then you will also appear with him in glory. So today, here we are. We're at this table. It is a reminder for us. It is a reminder for us of exactly what Jesus has done on our behalf. It is impossible to take the bread and and to take the cup. It is impossible to hear, do this in remembrance of me and, and not remember The Jesus who died on Calvary's cross, who shed his blood on our behalf. It's impossible to remember why he died. Now, if you don't know why Jesus died, if this is new to you, if if you've never embraced this, then for you, what, what this is, this bread and this cup, they're simply memorials to a dead man. And Jesus was merely a a good man who got caught up in a bad situation. It's just evidence of the cruelty of the Roman government towards an oppressed people. But if you do know why he died, then the things on this table become transformed for you. They take on completely new meaning. They they are bread and they are uh, juice, the fruit of the vine, But they become so much more when you know what they mean. Know what they represent. It's not that the bread is no longer bread. There are some traditions that believe the bread actually becomes the body of Jesus. And the the juice or the wine actually becomes the blood of Jesus. Um, We don't teach that. Um, I'm not sure. You know, again, I'm not going to go out and protest anybody who does. But. We believe that these are symbolic of the blood and the body of Jesus. And that they are a very powerful symbol. They don't change what they are, but their meaning is not in that they were made with flour and there was no yeast put in it. Uh, that, that, you know, that, that someone squeezed out red grapes uh, to make this juice. The meaning is beyond that. The meaning is... What Jesus pointed us to at that last supper that he had with his disciples, when he was able to say to them, this is my body. Whenever you eat it, remember, this is my blood. Whenever you drink it of this cup, remember. 
You know why he died. In this table, these elements are filled with brand new meaning. And it's not a place to mourn, even though Jesus died. It's a place to celebrate. Because the same Jesus who died and was buried rose again on the third day. Opening the way for you and for me to have life with him. It's a celebration of life. Life that we have in Jesus Christ. Jesus said of himself, I am the good shepherd. I know my own and my own know me. Just as the Father knows me and I know the Father, I lay down my life for the sheep. And I have other sheep that are not of this fold. I must bring them also, and they will listen to my voice, so there will be one flock and one shepherd. For this reason the Father loves me, because I lay down my life that I may take it up again. No one takes it from me. No one takes it from me, but I lay it down of my own accord. I have the authority to lay it down, and I have the authority to take it up again. This charge I've received from my father. When I was in college many moons ago, I actually became a a follower of Jesus Christ in college, a very liberal campus a campus that uh, wasn't always friendly to the Christian faith, but um, the Lord Lord can find you anywhere. And he happened to find me because he'd been pursuing me for a long time in an apartment complex in Carborough, which is right outside of Chapel Hill. Once I became a believer, I, I really got excited. I knew that the Lord had called me into ministry, and so I plugged into a group called InterVarsity Christian Fellowship. Some of you may have heard of that. And actually, it was amazing that University of North Carolina at that time had the largest InterVarsity group in the world. And it was divided into chapters that covered the entire campus. And, and I became one of the leaders in uh, one of our chapters. And I was actually what was called the large group coordinator. My role was to work with the other large group coordinators to plan big campus-wide events, but also I was called upon to invite other uh, pastors and other uh, uh, teachers to come and, and in our monthly meetings to come and, um, and kind of give us the message, help lead us in our, our devotion on our worship time. And so we had gone to uh, university, the, the camp during the summer to make our plans is kind of interesting because it was at that camp that Nancy and I kind of connected and I was a little worried about her because she asked me like 23 times what my major was (laughs) so I knew she couldn't have been too interested in me wasn't 23 but three okay I was half right But we, we sat around and we said, okay, what is it that we want? What do we want to use this year for? What, what do we want speakers to address? What do we think are key questions? And one of the questions we came up with was, why did Jesus have to die? We thought, okay, that's a good question. That's a foundational, doctrinal thing, theological thing. We need that addressed. And so I, I called a pastor that we had kind of gotten a list of pastors together, people we knew and could trust. And I called this pastor and I said, hello, I'm Jimmy Long. I represent the 
whatever the chapter was at InterVarsity Christian Fellowship. And we've got these meetings coming up, and we'd love for you to speak this particular day on this particular month. And if, if you would, the topic we would like you to speak on is, why did Jesus have to die? And on the other end of the phone, I heard this. No, I can't do that. Well, he must have picked up on my stunned silence because he continued. He said, I can't come and speak on why did Jesus have to die. But if you'll have me, I'll come and speak on why Jesus chose to die. I said, okay. (laughs) That's important for us to get this morning. You remember what Jesus just said? We just read it. No one takes my life from me. Now, that's what it looked like. He was arrested, put in a cell, beaten, put on a mock trial, crucified. It looked like someone took his life away. But he goes, no. What you don't understand fully is who I am because I could have stopped that anytime I wanted. I have the authority to lay my life down and I have the authority to take it up. Jesus was not a good man caught in a bad situation. He's the good shepherd who laid down his life for his sheep. This table It displays for us the immense love of God. Because of what you see right there in front of you, Jesus chose to die in order to bring glory to his Father and to bring us to his Father. If you want to know the meaning of this table, there it is. That in order to glorify his his father and our father he chose to lay down his life and in doing so he opened up the way for you and for me to come to the father as well because our here was our plight we were sin stained and separated from god and our destiny was not heaven with him forever our, unfortunately our, the reality is our death our, our destiny was was an eternity separated from God in hell. And it is as if Jesus said, that is unacceptable. And he acted. He laid down his life. And when you take the bread, you recognize that Jesus didn't come as a ghost. He came as a man and everything that we can think of in how excruciating a process it was to go through the rejection and the the beatings and the carrying of the cross and the crucifixion itself it happened to flesh and blood and that's that's how much God loves us. That he would send his son 
to endure that on our behalf. And when we take this cup and we look at the red of the juice, it is a reminder to us of the blood of Jesus Christ that was poured out for our sins. He was the fulfillment of all the sacrifices in the Old Testament. If you'd have gone to the temple in Jerusalem prior to that time, you would have seen sacrifice after sacrifice after sacrifice after sacrifice after sacrifice. The blood of animals being poured out constantly. A reminder. This is what sin costs. And either you can pay the price or you can accept by faith Jesus paid the price for you. And so this morning, as we prepare to come to this table, if you believe in Jesus Christ, this is for you. This is meaningful for you. If you don't have faith in Christ, if you've never taken that step of faith, then I just want to encourage you, could you just let it pass? It's okay. Just let it pass. But as it goes by, remember that that sacrifice was big enough for you too. And that today, you could come to know Jesus as your Savior and Lord. Perhaps even in this moment, you could come to know Him as Savior and Lord. And you could say, you know what? This is for me. He did this for me. And I believe it with all my heart. I'm not sure where you are. As far as your faith goes, but this morning, if you go, you know what, when it comes by, I'm not sure I can, I'm not sure I can take it. I'm not sure I can eat. I'm not sure I can drink because I'm not sure I belong to Jesus. But I've heard this morning the truth. And it's gone beyond my ears and it's penetrated to my heart and my soul and and today, more than anything else, I want Jesus as Savior. If that's you this morning, I want to pray for you. And then I want to give you an opportunity to, to go to the Lord yourself. <clears throat> Heavenly Father, I come in Jesus' name this morning and I thank you. I thank you for the life that we have in Him I thank you for the hope that is anchored in him. I thank you, Lord, that so many here who will take this bread and drink this cup will do so in faith as an acknowledgement that they believe in Jesus who died on a cross, was buried, and rose again on the third day. But Lord, for those who aren't there, I pray this morning. That not because of what I've said, but because of what your spirit has spoken to their hearts, that today, even today, even in this moment, they may come to know Jesus Christ as their personal Savior and Lord of their lives. Lord, I pray that today there could be a transformation, a change to go from death to life, to go from darkness to light. 
And Lord, if that person is sitting here in this room this morning and he's ready to take that step, Lord, would you lead them, you lead them to pray something like this. Heavenly Father, I've heard you speak to me this morning. And I want to turn from my sin and turn to you. I want to receive Jesus. I believe he is exactly who the Bible says he is. Your son and my Savior. I believe He chose to die to glorify you, Father, and to bring me to you, Father. And today I come. Lord, help me to receive this truth and to live in it each day that I am yours. And you are mine now and forever through Jesus Christ. Amen.